You're listening to the Future of Retail in Africa, an Inc. Africa podcast. Retail in Africa is being forever transformed by the continent's burgeoning infrastructure growth, new technology, and the fact that by 2050, the continent will make up 50% of the world's population. I'm James Townsend, co-founder of Pattern Retail. And over the series, I'll be speaking with the innovators, disruptors, and founders changing retail in Africa for the better. Today, we'll be chatting with David Cohen, the CEO of Superblist. David's path to running the leading fashion e-commerce retailer in South Africa has been a fascinating one, going from running a successful brand and design and manufacturing business to pivoting into the world of fashion e-commerce. In the discussion, we dive deep into what makes e-commerce more exciting today than it's ever been from a growth and customer engagement point of view. We cover the role of e-commerce in the African retail expansion and how fast fashion is getting faster with e-commerce and why the old retail truths still underpin it all. joining us david it's fantastic to have this time together yeah great i'm thinking back to where our paths first crossed when you were running a successful design and manufacturing business myself working in uh, in a merchandise department and i think it's a fascinating journey you've been on so i'd love to know how you got to where you are today as the ceo of south africa's leading fashion e-commerce retailer uh, i think i know the retailer you're talking about and uh, being in that building, you know, over my, my career, I've worked with, with every single one of them um, on all of their own private label brands, as well as uh, supplying our own brands into those retailers. But yeah, my backstory, I kind of grew up in the, in the fashion industry. Um, you know, my, my father had a, had a clothing business. He had his, his own brands, uh, a big design and vertical manufacturing all the way down to uh, knitting. And it was something that was just felt natural and, and was a passion from, from early on. So I studied at uh, UCT after school. I wanted to do a fine arts degree, but got convinced to rather, you know, do a business degree. So, so I did a honors in, in marketing and economics, you know, taking a year off and just by accident landed up uh, at L magazine in New York for a couple months working as an assistant fashion editor in 1992 which was like unbelievably exciting then because you know the magazines kind of ruled the the fashion space i had like this access to this world of fashion and these brands and uh, you know people and the models and it was like super exciting but after a couple months of new york i think coming from cape town i was like extremely claustrophobic and thought now you know I, i don't see myself here long term and headed home, uh, joined the family business for a few years. I got incredible experience in that business in, in 2000. And yeah, we started our own business called Design Liaison. I think uh, Young Designers Emporium had just started and it was very exciting. It was a, a disruptive retail concept in South Africa at the time. Uh, and it was innovative and it gave access to young designers to you know show their wares which was really cool because you know the major retail chains of this country owned the retail space and quite quickly we had three brands in that uh, in YDE YDE was very very successful and also scaled quite rapidly so our business grew fast and at the same time we were working with the major chains in South Africa Woolworths and Truist and Fashini Group and um, Edgar's at the time 
and we were supplying into them private label, their private label um, products. And we, we grew our business successfully over, over a 20 year period where we, you know, we developed our own brands. We had five brands. We got to a stage, well, I personally got to a stage where I felt bored in the business. I just didn't feel challenged anymore. And I just felt that there was far bigger opportunity in the local market in terms of where retail was going um, and what that looked like and where was the future of retail, which was really all around e-commerce. You know, e-commerce was in its infancy. Um, we, we could see globally what was happening with e-commerce and fashion retail. It provided accessibility, convenience. It gave access to everybody. Um, and it was a different way of shopping, a different experience that the customers liked. We could see, you know, digitally native consumers, uh, Gen Zs and millennials, were, the adoption of e-commerce was, was part of their world. Uh, their world was in their phones. So they were operating in a digital world as well as in the real world. And that led to conversations with uh, Kim Reed at the time, who was, you know, the, the, the group CEO of the Take-A-Lot group. And us, uh, you know, selling our business to the Take Lot Group and and becoming part of Superbulous. You know, that's the world that we that we live in now, which is super exciting. We've seen like that's where all the growth in 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 the fashion retail space has been. So you know, so we came into the business late in 2019, uh, and then early 2020, COVID hit, and and COVID was like a real accelerator for for e-commerce. Yeah. You know, everybody that wasn't online, COVID pushed them online. So it really accelerated the trajectory of, of the e-commerce penetration, you know, between three and five years, it accelerated the growth. At the same time, it also highlighted the sector to the traditional BRICS retailers who weren't mm. really thinking deeply yeah. about their e-commerce offering. You know, Not in their side, at least, yeah. Yeah. And um, we've seen what's happened in, in the last two years. You know, they've all innovated in that space. They've, you know, they've come out with their own uh, apps. They've invested heavily into their e-commerce offering and technology, which has also, you know, made the competition hotter. Competition's good for a sector because it brings a lot more eyes in. It brings up more traffic. People get the message of, you know, shop online. And it's not a, just a message that we're pushing now. It's a message that we pushing as well as all our competitors are pushing. So you, you, you grew a thriving design and supply and brand business, and then you decided to take on the easy job of running a pure play fashion e-com business. As I say, be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You know, the e-com model, particularly around fashion, seems to be quite a challenging one. The big names in Europe like ASOS and Boohoo, have struggled, you know, um, excess inventory, declining profit margins on an already narrow margin. So, you know, what does the future for fashion e-commerce look like? E-commerce is, is not going anywhere. You know, it's here to stay and it's just going to get bigger and better. I think what we've seen internationally and, and locally is tech e-commerce around the world has gone through a correction in the last year where COVID ended and customers went back to malls. And they went back to malls uh, probably in a bigger way than we imagined. So the investment into the growth doesn't match the growth that uh, that everyone's gone through in the last year. And, you, and you've seen that in, in profitability. You've seen it in stock, in overstocks. 
um, these businesses, you know, were, were very profitable. Uh, those businesses will, they will right size themselves and they will continue to grow and be profitable going forward. I think uh, the correction that we've gone through is, is no different to a correction that would happen in uh, a BRICS world. For all our challenges in Africa, we're ahead in some respects. We've got 82% mobile penetration across the continent, and this gives us some interesting advantages. What's the future for e-commerce retail, specifically fashion retail in Africa, and do you see any opportunities there? Yeah, it's a difficult one because I'm not I'm not in Africa as a retailer. From the outside, I I can kind of see you know you've got Jumia and you've got uh, platforms that are all over Africa doing e-commerce and and fashion retail. I think as you said, you know there's a, a high penetration of of mobile, and what e-commerce does is it gives access to everybody um, for brands for fashion. Uh, you don't need to live in a certain area or geography to be near a mall or a shop or a brand that you like to be able to shop it. You know, the same as in South Africa. You know, if you want to buy uh, brands that we have, uh, H&M or G-Star or Trendial or Mango, you don't need to live near the Mall of Africa or Century City to be able to go and buy those. We will deliver wherever you drop a pin in this country, we'll deliver that to you. You don't even need a physical address. And that's what e-commerce does. It, it totally democratizes accessibility to fashion. I think in, in Africa, what would be great to see is e-commerce giving a platform to African designers and African brands. And what we can see is people love local brands. Social media gives, you know, reach from a marketing perspective. You know, there's new AI tools. What's happening in innovation and technology and e-commerce is phenomenal. Because really for, for young designers and young brands, you've got instant access to a massive market. It's just how you use these tools to penetrate. And I think, you know, in, in Africa, we can see that happening with a, with a lot of the, the platforms um, that exist. Uh, you know, I was approached uh, by a gentleman from Kenya who runs a fashion retail online platform. And it's very... Um, local brands. He's been in operation for a couple of years. You know, he's, he's had phenomenal growth. And he was, you know, came to share ideas and, you know, ask us what we were doing. And, you know, it was it was a great story and great to see what's happening in, in other countries. E-commerce businesses are really data centric. They generate a lot of data and it's an important part of optimizing the business. So what are the areas that businesses might overlook when it comes to transitioning to a data-led organization? You're right. Data data is key. I'm not sure that it's overlooked uh, rather than is it being utilized to its fullest and how do we do that? So we sit on a treasure trove of data, customer data. So right now, as an e-commerce business, it's really about, one, the customer experience and then what can data tell us to make far better retail decisions in terms of what we buy, how we buy, when we buy. So the basic algorithm in retail is, you know, the right product at the right price at the right time in front of the right customer. You know, that, that is retail 101. If you go onto Pinterest or YouTube, TikTok, for instance, the more you interact with the app, the more it understands who you are and what you are and what you, what you like. So how do we become that in fashion retail? 
that when you when James comes on to superbulous, we know what James wants to see, and we show James what he wants, rather than James having to spend a lot of time trying to find what he wants. Um, and then when it comes to retail, our buyers, whether they're developing our own private label brands or we buying third-party brands, we need to make sure that we are we know what we're buying and we're buying the right products and that we're buying them at the right price points and that we're getting them delivered on time for the right trading period. And that's what I find like incredibly exciting in, in the e-commerce space is we've got this tool that interacts directly with our customer. You know, it's, it sits in your hand. It's your phone. You know, 80% of our revenue comes from mobile. Our customer sits on their phone and they, they interact with us, with Superbless, and we can see what they're doing. So this is interesting given your background in manufacturing. We've seen the e-commerce behemoth in China, Xi'an, really stride ahead in terms of agility from a fashion manufacturing and supply chain point of view. It was a model that was pioneered so successfully by Zara. Where do you see the innovation coming in here in terms of connecting e-commerce to the fashion manufacturing value chain? I don't think the 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 role of manufacturing in e-commerce is different to the role of manufacturing in, in regular bricks and mortar. If you look at e-com, ASOS, Boohoo, the like, they, they're all strongly pivoting their businesses towards their own brands. Boohoo is 100% their own brands. ASOS is a mixture of own brands and, and third-party brands. We understand what our customer wants. We have the data on our customer. We've also got the ability through manufacturing to make very fast decisions and give the customer what they want quickly. So if I have manufacturing and I have the ability to produce for myself locally, I can make a far better decision on what the customer wants than if I'm doing it with a third-party brand or I'm manufacturing, say, out of the Far East, out of China, which is on much longer lead times. So manufacturing and manufacturing locally is, uh, is a, a, a very strong elixir to, to basically you know, getting the right product in front of the customer, doing it fast, and being a lot more certain on the decision that you've made in terms of the style of that product, the color of the product. And I think data and technology is going to accelerate this. It's going to shorten the lead time and response time right down and allow retailers to be far more accurate with the response. We know Zara you know, pioneered it uh, and built an incredibly successful business on, on speed to market. Uh, we know the words fast fashion, you know, and what those mean. Um, we can see, you know, all the brands have pivoted and the local retailers have pivoted over the last 10, 15 years to their own private label brands and manufacturing onshore. And, and Zara taught us that having a higher, a higher price, but having the right product is better than being cheap with the wrong product. Influencers have really driven a lot of growth in e-commerce and helped adapt the e-commerce model. But are they still so influential today? And where do you see the role of influencers going? Yeah, it's incredibly important. So, so influence has been around forever in fashion. You know, influence used to be movies and magazines and uh, supermodels, designers, the, the shows. That was influence, and that influenced what people bought. 
you know, the world's moved on and influence today happens on your phone. You know, it happens through social media. It happens in um, reality TV shows. It happens with celebrities, you know, whether it's the Kardashians, you know, coming out with a makeup range or people becoming celebrities themselves on their own channels becoming of influence and then what they wear, people want to wear. So absolutely is something that we, we look at and, and use ourselves constantly. I just think that when influencers are used, it needs to be authentic and feel real rather than it's a paid for promotion. So you guys are recognized as leaders in the e-commerce space. If I look at the Discovery Spend Trend Report, you're capturing a significant share of the online wallet. Where do you think the growth is going to come from in e-commerce specifically? A lot of the DTC brands in the States have been opening stores, and that seems to be a big focus. Do you think that is something relevant for the local market? Yeah, so in, in this country, uh, apparel and footwear, the, the fashion retail space, e-commerce occupies around 5% of, of the total retail business. So the opportunities are immense in e-commerce alone. I think what's happening in, in the rest of the world is it's starting to now plateau. It's getting to, you know, 25, 35, 40%. I think in China, it's, it's sitting around 50%. So those companies have gone through a 15, 20-year uh, growth cycle, which has been incredible. Yes, we went through a correction in the last year, but we still see 20-plus percent growth going forward in, in e-commerce. I want to touch on a design collaboration you did with the artist Lulama Wolf. And it was a beautiful design-led collaboration that really stood out to me. Can you give me some more insights into that collaboration and, and how it played out? Very important for us to, to be able to collaborate with local South African artists and designers. Uh, whether it's an artist like Lulama, she brought her incredible prints and her, you know, her visual identity and her creativity uh, to Superbalist and working with the design team, created a collection and a range for her which we then produced ourselves and then, you know, did this event and, and uh, launched the Lulama Wolf, you know, ex superbalist on, on the platform. And it, it sold out, I think, within a week. You know, it was incredible. And it just shows you that the creativity and the talent that sits in this country is, is immense. I think we've got a responsibility as a platform to be able to give access to that talent. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great space to be in. I want to finish on a more personal note, if you don't mind, just really touching on things that are inspiring you. Can be books, other podcasts. You know, I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, especially when I get home at night. And what I love about it is whatever you're interested in, it, it, it learns and it shows you more of and it. You, you kind of like get caught in this wormhole. Um. So I'm, you know, super interested in, in obviously technology and, you know, AI and, you know, what's happening in the world, you know, around, around exactly those things. So, you know, as a fashion retailer, business of fashion, you know, it's a, it's a great, um, it's a great platform. They've got great podcasts, uh, super interesting, you know, to listen to what other retailers are doing, you know, where they're going, how they view technology. Uh, bricks retailers, how they view omni-channel, omni-channel retailers and how they are working in, in both fields. I'm also very interested in, in the consumer. So, 
you know, spending a lot of time understanding what Gen Z, what millennials, how they interact with the world, how they view the world, how they think. I think right now is, is you know, we, we're still developing the digital e-commerce world in South Africa. But uh, it's, it's really important for the consumer to be able to interact in both worlds. And we need to understand, you know, what that looks like. How do people interact? How do they play? How do they think? Because that's where our consumer sits. Thanks, David, for your time. It was fascinating to chat to you today. And as a, as a fellow creative, hugely inspirational for me. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time. Yeah, thanks, James. It was great to, to chat and connect again. And equally, you know, I've watched your journey and you know, the innovation and the technology and the, the stuff that you guys and your team are building around retail and systems, which is also fascinating and hugely exciting. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing where you go as well. Thanks again to David Cohen, CEO of Superblist. The Future of Retail in Africa is an Inc. Africa podcast produced in collaboration with Pattern Retail. Our producer is Charles Matthews, our audio engineer John Pinar, and the music was by Dmitry Kolesnikov of The Mountain, available on pixabay.com. I'm James Townsend. Thanks for listening.